Hey everyone, my name is Matt Phelan. Um, I am the co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index, and this is Happiness and Humans. And I am here with the amazing John Fitzgerald. How are you, John? Hi, Matt. Good afternoon. Um, John, I'm going to try and give two facts about you to get people to know you. Um, number one, um, when I was experimenting um, for years in, in my businesses, we brought children to work, but I thought I'd experiment um, and bring my mum mum to a meeting, and I brought my mum along to meet you, John, didn't we? <laughs> and I made her tea. <laughs> yeah. And she loved it, and she still speaks about it today, and she finally understands a bit of what I do. So anyone who's listening, if you're lucky enough to still have uh, a parent around, I recommend bringing them to the meeting. Um, second and fact she, about- she made a great impact in the office with all of the girls here as well. So it was just so different and, uh, as you say, so human. Yeah, she loved. She absolutely loved it, um, and she's yeah, she's become a big fan of yours, John. So, looking looking forward to your next book. Um, the second the second fact I just wanted to tell everyone about John is that we talk about like we know in our data how important purpose is on on an individual's happiness, um, and John's going to talk to you about it in a, to you all in about it in a bit. But one of John's purposes is to is to future ready everyone's future career. And I just, I just think that's so, so, such a beautiful thing to work on, John. Um, but, but tell us about, tell us about that. Tell us about your business, and um, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so John Fitzgerald, I'm the founder of Harmonics. Uh, we're in business now uh, since 2006, and um, I started that business after spending six months unemployed myself, and. Uh, that was the best and the and the worst six months of my life in that I, I learned a lot about resilience and change. But uh, I was very, very clear on my purpose on what I wanted to do in setting up harmonics and eventually got it off the ground. So our business is a career consulting firm and we work with helping organizations and individuals future-proof through change, which brings us into many very interesting situations uh, whether that's mergers, acquisitions, downsizing, restructuring, digital transformation, whatever that might be. And it's helping the organization, the leadership team and the people who are impacted through that change. And I guess from all of that learning, then uh, I've spent the last uh, so many years, maybe 20 years as a coach specifically as a career coach. And now I just work exclusively with executives and MDs and site directors uh, around helping them to future-proof their career. And that is fascinating work because it brings me into a space where people were attached to a corporate for many years and never really thought about future-proofing their career. They thought about um, working hard in the business and being successful in their job. So when change happens, that's where I'm typically sitting opposite somebody or today virtually to help them rethink their career strategy. And John, from the, from the outside, and I mentioned just to you on the pre-call, but career future readiness at the moment because of what's happened with COVID just seems even more important. Or, or would you say, well, Matt, actually, it's always been important. It's just been, is it more important now or has it just been highlighted how important it is? is my question that I've just made up on the, on the spot here. Well, as I say in the book, people like being in the busy box and working hard, but they never have the time to think about what next. And they always have another excuse and they never have the time for themselves. 
So COVID gave people that window of opportunity where they were sitting at home and reflecting on, you know, how happy am I in my job? What do I want in my future? Is this where I was supposed to be when I reached this age? So it, it definitely brought a lot of introspection for many people that I meet. Um, and people often only change when change impacts them. They very rarely future-proof and they very rarely um, think about the long-term implications of a career. And like I speak about in the book, it's a 50-year career at least now. And the first half, 20 to 45, pretty much happens for people, I find. But from 45 to 70, then um, they may be less in demand and they may be the victim of corporate restructuring. So that's where uh, they've got to future-proof their career. But they don't often do that until it's too late. So my message is get there ahead of time and anticipate change rather than having to rapidly adapt to change. I love that, John. And um, for those that don't know the book, can you just give a call out on on the the full name of the book and where people can get it? Yeah, it's Future Proof Your Career. Uh, The strap line is from the inside out. They can get it on Amazon. And uh, from the inside out uh, was very much a strap line that that, uh, came to me because I meet a lot of people, you know, in their careers who are operating from the outside in. And they're, um, they're all about the what, but not about the why. And that goes back to purpose. And why are they doing what they're doing? And quite often it's because somebody tapped them on the shoulder and said, Matt, I think you'd be good in this department. Or you followed a senior manager up, up the line of an organization or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But so most people say to me, I came in here for two years and I ended up 12 or 20 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but from the inside out is is really connecting with the heart and soul, and I suppose it's it's why we've connected because of our shared interest in um, purpose and happiness and people being happy. And John, I'm, I'm just, I know I'm chucking in non pre prepared questions. There's another one coming at you right yes, now. You, are, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned resilience, um, and and you also mentioned sometimes you have to go through changes yourself and you mentioned obviously that first couple of years of the business helps you understand resilience yes. what if someone hasn't gone through tough times before but but they want to build for resilience is that possible if you haven't been through a tough time it's interesting that many successful people that i coach have been through some sort of a challenge or difficulty either in childhood or growing up in teen years or in their early 20s it is um it, it's harder, but it's not It's not that it's not possible. So, for example, I never, I, I, I was pretty happy all my career until I was 40 and signing on the dole for the first time in my life. But it's interesting, you build resilience when, as human beings, when the need arises. And um, yeah. I guess the, the important thing is when we're looking at this COVID crisis, this is an opportunity for maybe maybe younger people who might have seen life as, you know, maybe being very well parented and going to nice schools and feeling everything was going along well. I think this is a time when a lot of those younger people will look back at this time and and say, how did they respond and overcome that? So, So maybe this will, 2020, like I say, for me, it was 2006, it was a bad time. But maybe people will look back in 2020 and say, I learned a lot about myself in 2020. I built a lot of resilience. Yeah. So 
you know, yeah. with, with with difficulty comes opportunity. But it's it, it, yeah. it's all about I, mindset, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I started my first business in two thousand and eight, and then the the crisis hit like a few months later. So uh, as soon as you're saying that, John, I'm I'm reflecting back. Um, but that's their stories for another day. And um, we're finally on to the first question, <laughs> which is um, what actually makes you happy, John? We know a bit about your purpose, but I'd love to, to get more into understand you as a person. Yeah. Uh, it, when you sent me these questions, Matt, I was at home on a Sunday night on my laptop and I started tapping away on the answers. Yeah. And uh, my first thing that came for me from the inside out was my daughter and seeing her happy, her smile and the way she has turned into a bright on personality she's on her last year in secondary school and um she she makes me happy and seeing how she's developing and seeing some of maybe traits that she's developed and things that she says that she may have got from her mom or myself and really really happy about that i'm i i'm i'm happy about um and and i'm really proud of the way my wife jillian has uh fostered this a sense of who she is as a person and that she's become quite a quite a great head on her shoulders at such a young age um you talked about your mom that was my second one my mom is an inspiration yeah. she's a true fighter she's now 90 years of age she has she wow. has amazing faith in uh the catholic church and we have loads of arguments about that um I'm happy yeah. she's happy and she can live at home. She's got a Filipino carer for uh, four days of the week. And I'm just so happy she's not in a nursing home now because my wife's mother is in a nursing yeah. home and she can't hug her and she can't be close to her. Whereas, um, yeah. you know, my mom's, you know, has been such a source. It's only in recent years you realize how important your parents can be and, um, yeah. and, and how much energy she had. And she was always smiling. And I love her that she, she gave me that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I love what I do. I'm so lucky to do what I do. You know, so many people are unhappy and you know about the levels of engagement. Work isn't a chore. I'm, I'm, I'm really in alignment with what I do. And I'm not just saying that for the sake of saying it. And that comes across when, when you're working with people. Uh, I'm, I'm happy when I finish a coaching session. I, I, I did two face-to-face -face coaching sessions last week and I hadn't realized how much I missed the energy that I get when I finish a coaching session and just a yeah. natural high. Uh, I'm happy when I'm doing a sales pitch because uh, I believe we're aligned uh, to our values. And I've, again, when you, I, I suppose when you're the owner of your own business and the creator of it, you, um, you can feel authentic. There's a freedom that I don't have to toe the corporate line. I can be oh, in, totally. I can be and say who I want to be, mm -hmm. and I can make values-based decisions. Yeah. And I've surrounded myself with great people who check my values when I have to make decisions. And there are some difficult decisions that every business has to make at the at these times. So um, yeah. I'm happy when I'm supporting my beloved Leeds United and we played Liverpool last. <laughs> um, it's been a, we talk about resilience, that has been torture following Leeds United for the last, however, 1973, I was a seven-year-old boy and uh, that's when I started. Uh, so the resilience was following them when they went down to the leagues and just gives me a buzz and my heart races faster and uh there's a game we play in Ireland called hurling, and um, my 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 county won the All Ireland again since '93. They hadn't won it, and they won it uh, the year before last. So, is that is that Kerry? Is that Kerry? that's Limerick? 
Limerick. Oh, that's just totally. That's like saying Arsenal to Tottenham, isn't it? I've like totally messed that. <laughs> no, up. it's okay. Kerry are good at football, and Limerick are good at hurling, so it's it's okay. Uh, uh, I should know because you got you've got the blooming you've got them on I've your wall. Them, I, your, I was uh, just going to say you should know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I still got it wrong. So um, I love sport, and again, it's something that I miss from COVID is that energy that you get when you're in a packed stadium and your your heart is beating and your team is playing. And that sense of competition and pitting yourself against the best. And I, I love to play sport myself. I, I love flying in an airplane. Um, it's one of the most creative places for me. I, I, I always spend time on flights uh, writing and thinking up new ideas. So I miss, I miss yeah. flying. So I could yeah. be going on holidays. I could be flying transatlantic and I could spend seven, eight hours writing. And um, it is just... I love, I, I just feel creative when I'm in the air. There's no distraction. Wow. And I just, I, I only realized that when I kept on doing it on flights. And I said, God, you know, I really love this. And I could be codifying a new model for, you know, for stuff wow. that I talk about or write about. But it's just that space. I coached somebody once and they told me they used to get on a train and they used to go from one end to the next, to, to you know, from one end of the station to, to the other, from and uh, that's where they were at their most creative. So maybe there's something wow. in movement there where you're happiest and just enjoying stuff. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, well, that happens with children, doesn't it? If you can't get them to sleep, you chuck them in the car. So maybe there's something, maybe, <laughs> and also, I don't know, if the story is J.K. Rowling wrote, wrote um, Harry Potter on the train from London to Edinburgh. Yeah, that's as right. She was, as she was going up, like, over the yeah, years. yeah. Um, I'm happiest cycling in the countryside, uh, climbing a hill, discovering new routes, fresh air in my lungs, going for a walk on the beach, yes. if we lived near a beach, but it's about, it's over an hour to, to a beach and where I live. Um, I'm happy when I see my wife being creative. I think she's amazingly creative. She's a unique talent. And I just, we're, we're doing some stuff yeah. for the house at the moment and outside and the gardens and God, she she can just do stuff that uh, she can visualize something that I can't see. And we're both creative in different ways, I guess. Um, of course, I'm happiest when when I'm when our business is doing well. And I, I always say to, to to ourselves here, you know, I'm happy that we're doing business. And even if we are profitable, we're doing it the right way. And we haven't screwed anybody over to to get where we are today. Um, and I was very happy when I finished my book. That was uh, eight years yeah. again. Resilience, maybe resilience is coming up as yeah. a theme here. But it's uh, I started. I, I got a. I, I got um, I, I guess an offer to do a book when I did a TV series, and I never did it. And I didn't feel the time was right. And then I did the book, and uh, eventually, when the time was right for me, and it was aligned to my purpose, so that it happened. It took t it took eight years, but the, the way it was worth it. And I'm, I'm, I'm just very happy and lucky in lots of ways. And this has been a great exercise to do. Yeah. And I'll I, I tell you what, John, just to pick on one point there to lead us into the next question, actually. It was fascinating hearing you talk about the freedom you feel that you can be yourself in your own organisation. Mm -hmm. because, because actually, when we look at our data and link freedom and happiness, that's what employees want as well. They don't want to have to pretend to be someone else at work. They don't want to like have to act in a particular way. And if you let people be themselves at work, our, our data shows they perform so much better. So it's almost capturing how you described that. And, and, and you said, 
as opposed to being in a corporate and actually bringing that into corporate world, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, Dan Pink has has written his book on that autonomy, mastery and purpose. And he 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 found that out by doing a lot of research. That's if, if you want to get people to be in a, in a better place, you've got to give them autonomy, mastery and purpose. And and uh, yeah. they're, they're three simple things. Um, so question number two, John. Um let sort of leaning a bit on your coaching here of as you've said like ceos and c-level people does their happiness matter of course it matters it's i mean it's a knock-on effect if the ceo isn't happy harmonics came from you know the vibrational energy uh, the name of our business that i get when i'm working with you matt or you know i get when i'm working with an organization so we're all vibrational human beings and uh, our vibrations and our natural positive or negative vibes impact those around us. So the environment we create as CEOs can be inspirational or toxic. So it starts with us as CEOs to set the tone of the culture and that's our responsibility. And, you know, you know, and I know it's easy to walk into an environment and you naturally pick up that sense of, is this a place I want to be in or not? Um, yeah. You know, CEOs are also... You know, from my experience, they're lonely people at the top. Uh, they've they've risen. They've maybe reached for that role, and uh, they 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 can't maybe express themselves as comfortably and as honestly as they might like to. And I think yeah. that's something that I'm seeing coming through in a lot of my sessions. I was coaching a CEO once, and they said to me, "This is the only place I can be each month, John, when I can be myself." So, fascinating that is fascinating isn't it so so to me that was a great coaching challenge and this person was you know wearing a mask uh having to be somebody else to be the ceo and yeah you know i said okay let's work on this and it was all about helping him with his vulnerability and helping him to that it was okay to be that person that grew up in school uh, rather than this corporate person. People say to me, you know, well, you know, should I read X paper or should I say X or Y when I'm in a meeting to come across as, you know, just be your bloody self, you know, that this is the, the challenge that I think corporate world has fenced people's personalities into a box rather than, um, you know, how do we bring people with us on a journey? We bring oh, people so with true. us on a journey by being innately human, as you, as you so yeah. so so well say yourself. So it's um, you know that that's so important. And and the other thing as CEOs, we are role models. You know, we we're not perfect. We can't be happy all the time. But you know, our team role model our behaviors and actions. And I've I've learned yeah. that that um, you know. But we can't be too busy. We can, and and today, you know, today is a busy day. And but it doesn't stop me stopping and having an informal chat with somebody, or even if we can't do that in a physical environment as much anymore, that we can check in with people. But these are all things yeah. that we can do to create a sense yeah. of belonging and a sense of connection in our organizations. And we need to do that more and more in a virtual environment. Yeah. No. Thanks, John. And then. Um... The third question is, is sort of built for you, really, um, which is, is happiness important to your career? Well, it's the reason I started Harmonics. You know, I wasn't happy. I hadn't realized it until 
somebody walked into my office and said, where's the real John gone? And I then... And what, where, give, paint, paint the picture for us, John. Where was this office? What were you doing? I was working in my last business and I there was a misalignment of, of values and I didn't feel that, you know, I was where I wanted to be in my life. But I suppose I was, I was maybe... I, I was wearing that mask and I yeah. was thinking that people couldn't see it. And yeah. obviously this person was only one, I'm sure, that, that saw it and, and challenged me on it and, and she wanted to see it. Do you still know that person now, John? Are they, are they, yeah. Do they know that how important it was that they said that? Yeah, because I said it to them, you know, quite a while afterwards. You know, you, you, you opened my eyes to something that I felt inside but I wasn't able to express it yeah um so yeah I mean and and you know by her saying something has to change that you know it was the catalyst for me in overcoming what I thought was a big hurdle and maybe overcoming self-limiting beliefs that I had about myself and having the ability to be able to do my own thing and start my own business and uh so, you know, that's my personal story, but, um, you know, it is important to you in your career. And I call my life journey the road less traveled because I've never made career choices as a result of what I would earn. I'm probably maybe a little bit unique in that I I left three roles in my life to earn um, really, really less money. Because... Wow, John, that's that's I know we get on that's that's that exactly the same as me. I've only moved job three times and I've taken a pay cut every time. I mean, I, I worked with the I worked with Aer Lingus in London, uh, semi state permanent pensionable job at the time as it was seen. But I remember leaving that time and I, I was pretty much going to be on less than 50 percent of my salary and going to a company that nobody nobody knew and nobody could understand how you know it, it it was a particular brand and you know uh, that everybody recognized and lots of people wanted to get in there and i was leaving it and especially my parents were saying what the hell are you doing you know and uh, and then i i left another job to go to the states because on, on a whim really but i felt i was going to learn something and every decision i made was about learning and even to come into this industry i took i had the company car i had you know really great commission and sales and again i changed to come into a a, a fledgling uh, coaching industry where again yeah. nobody knew what i did and i i didn't even know what i was doing you know but yeah. it was very but you know what it was all about learning and uh so true so true john and uh, i followed my curiosity i was interested in people and I, I couldn't really put my finger on it and i think some people you know even my daughter is asking me you know what should i do now dad after you know to go to college and what subject sh should i study and you know it, it's not so much about the job you're going to get afterwards it's about being in the right area you know when we were young and we played hot and cold and warm when we, when we were running around a room and we hid stuff from children yeah. you know are you getting warmer in this feeling of, of the general area that you're in and then if you build enough connections and if you keep you know following your curiosity and you're mindful of the big picture and what's changing well then you will uh, and you value yourself. I think that's so important as well, is to value yeah. who you are and what you're about. And, uh, and, and you know, again, I deal with that 
around behavioural patterns and childhood stories that we tell tell ourselves um, that we're not good enough. And that yeah. that aligns a lot to, you know, being happy in your career. And we, you know, we're a mix of emotions and um, it's impossible for us humans to go through every day and every year happy that we will encounter many different times and we will encounter stressful situations. But it's important to recognize yeah. those, to label those and to know what yeah. they are. But I suppose the most important thing I've found in happiness with your career is your purpose and finding purpose. And uh, I I came across this research from McKinsey that shows the well-being is five times higher for those living their purpose. Uh, I thought that was really interesting, you know, that. Very interesting. Yeah, it it just came out. What's the name of that? What's for anyone that's listening, John, do you remember the name of that? I think it's it's just come out in the latest Harvard Business Review. Um, or, yeah. or no, sorry, it was a McKinsey article. Sorry, it wasn't on Harvard Business Review. It was a McKinsey article that came out in the last three weeks. I, I can send you the link, Matt, afterwards. Yeah, uh, if you can, I'll put it up with the um, yeah. with, with the notes. And um, you know, and, and and the other thing is, everybody wants to make a difference in some way, but so many feel disengaged, and I think people are written off too soon in organisations, especially when people maybe get plateaued. And they, you know, corporates make a decision, well, they're too old, they're too expensive, you know, and then they spend a lot of money, you know, trying to recruit new people instead of having career conversations with people and aligning what these people's strengths and purpose and passion is with where the organization is going. But that takes time and it takes energy. And, you know, that's where I see a lot of people just give up because they feel the yes. company doesn't care about them anymore. So yeah. happiness is something that I think it's a two-way street. I think it's one that individuals need to take responsibility for in yeah. their own career happiness. The day of swapping security for loyalty is gone. And now it's 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 about agility for employability. And it's it's saying, you know, how agile can I be to to meet the changing demands? But I've got to be in some way adding value. And, and yeah. there, there are some key things for me um, that that come across. I, I was I on, think there's a, there's, yeah. sorry, carry on, John. No, I was on a webinar, um, I was on a webinar uh, about a month ago and um, one of my team colleagues who joined us just less than a year ago spoke to a client about the work that they do being a vocation to them. And you know, it made, it really made the hair stand in the back of my head and I said, oh my God, I am so proud to have created a business that somebody says that they're living their vocation, and uh, you know that, that that's that's the that's the that's the sweet spot, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. used to talk about you know the, those concentric circles around the the you know what are you best at, what do you love doing, and where can you add value? And there are quite a lot of yeah. people who might be in you know, they could be happy doing, and, and, and especially with COVID, they could have had a really good restaurant or a cafe or in the hospitality sector, they might've been the best chef. They might've had the best customer experience and love what they do, but unfortunately they can't add value anymore. So it is important yeah. to, to, to make an income from what you love to do as well and, and value yourself. I think that's a key point that we always need to come back to is that uh, especially when people move careers and they try and go into business for themselves, they underprice themselves and they undervalue themselves. There's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting theme from listening to you, John, and also Nicola Piercy um, 
talked about it on one of the previous podcasts here, the president of Lionsgate, around that element of curiosity. Yeah. And going back to the point on children, because we teach we teach kids, don't we, that curiosity kills the cat. <laughs> but 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 actually, it's come out as a strong theme in these interviews as of, of so many like high achievers of how important it is just to look around these little corners and see what's going on. Yeah, and I, I write about that in the book about curiosity and actually make that, that point about curiosity kills the cat. I talk about curiosity makes you smart now these days. And curiosity is knocked out of us because we put up our hand in class and we try to answer a question and we got it wrong and everybody laughed at us. And, you know, there's so many different school experiences where we were curious. We thought we were going to, you know, answer the question and we were shown up in public. And that's one of our key emotions, things like shame. And we, we then start to get less curious in life because we, we get almost smaller and smaller because we feel, well, I don't want to put myself out there in case I'm knocked down anymore. But, yeah. um, you know, that's back to resilience again. We've got to keep yeah. getting back up again. And uh, when we get a knockback, just, you know, get back up on it. But it, it is important, I suppose, to have an, a, a network of people who believe and support you in your career as well. And not just people within, or, within your organization, people outside of your organization. Because, I, again, it can become an echo chamber at times when... Um, you know, you hear the same people say the same things over and over again. That's why it's important to, to be curious and to find out new people and find new teams. And it's so interesting you say about that strong network, because if there anyone who's listening who doesn't believe that white privilege um, exists, watch watch John Amici talk about it on the BBC Bite Size. Um, but when we go outside of white privilege and just look at privilege, I always think the ultimate privilege is either, is having one, um, or two parents that love and support you like you can talk about all the privileges you can get like money and everything but just having like how you've described your mom or my mom or, or having someone that believes in you no matter what I think it's I think it doesn't um, um, just, just one, thing, one thing on that Matt um, you just after bringing up a memory for me where I was I was driving my daughter into to work one day. She was only 13 or 14 and she just came in for the day to use the photocopier and be around the office. But so what's going to go on in the office and what is happening today, John and or dad? And, and I said, uh, I, I kind of highlighted, look, we've got this challenge, blah, blah, blah. And she just looked at me and she said, you know, things always work out for the Fitzgerald's daddy. <laughs> <I said, laughs> wow, what a great life belief to pass on. And, yeah. you know, I have learned so much from, from her. And I see so many parents, you know, who are giving so many orders to their kids. Uh, whereas I, I think what we try and do at home is show up to say we're all learning here. And yeah. um, I, I'm only learning too, Sarah. You know, that, yeah. that's important as a dad. <laughs> I've never done this before and we're, we're all trying our best. I am. Um, this is just, this is, this is rubbish advice from my daughter. But when we merged our businesses and I was announced as CEO, I asked my daughter for some advice and she said, don't shout at anyone and be nice to people. <laughs> I was like, that's the best advice I've ever had. Um, John, um, last, last question um, to sort of sum us up. Um, we've gone 10 minutes over, but I just love listening to you. So I'm going to let it go over. Um, and do, you, do you see a link between happiness and company performance in the work that you do? 
Yes, um, I suppose companies are full of people who in turn give their energy back to help build, sustain and grow a business. I mean, shareholder value was traditionally the one measure of co company performance. But, you know, today the people who work for a company are the key indicators. You know, talent want to join talent. And some CEOs and organizations don't get that, that, it, you know, you know, social media, technology, there's no secrets anymore about the, the environment in an organization. So that's the most important thing that organizations need to keep in mind is that young, talented employees have huge social power. And if they're not happy, they're going to share their own happiness like wildfire yeah. and leave. So you know, it's not just, but it's not just about ha happiness either. You know, talent want to stretch. So I see happiness gained from that stretch with new learning, and yeah. the idea of a learning culture for me creates that that sweet spot between happiness and performance. You know, the challenges that companies have is trying to continue the learning opportunities for people to be happy and enjoying what they're doing in the organization. Because yeah. obviously people are keen to move on and advance in their careers. But as I say to people, it used to be about a career ladder. Today, it's about a skills ladder. And I think we, you know, as organizations, we need to build, you know, the talent and the capability to um, which which are continuing to learn new skills rather than building these organizations, which just talks about shareholder value, bottom line profits. Of course, we've got to be profitable. Of course, we've got to make money. But the most important thing is that um, people have that opportunity to be themselves, to learn, and, and in turn comes happiness. Yeah, John, um, I need to sum up. I've, I've just enjoyed this so much. Um, I was just reflecting, like, whenever we get to spend any time talking or discussing, I'm always smiling, laughing, and learning, which I don't know if, if that, that's a very unique, brilliant skill of yours, John. So I just I just say thank you for those three things. Um, and to anyone that's listening, if you're going through tough times with redundancy and stuff like that, check out check out John's book. It's an absolute inspiration. Um, and last point, just say, John, really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this with us. Thank you. Every best wish for the future. Thanks, John. And um, go and give your mum a call. <laughs> Will do. Cheers, John. Take care.